Yeah. Why did you buy it? Where did you buy it? How did you transport it here? Who built the cage? What's it for? I need to know a lot more about this bear. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative Intel Podcast, brought to you by us over at azhorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. You're pissing on my people. <laughs> and sitting next to Jake is someone else who wants to give you a bath. It's Mark. Hey, guys. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. And this week, we watched a real doozy. We watched uh, 2019's Midsommar, which was a Jake pick and we will dive all the way into that real soon and fair warning when we do we're going to spoil the absolute shit out of it and like we have been doing for the last few episodes we'll be donating all of our patreon proceeds for the next few months to feeding america um so if you can and want to hang out on the patreon that's totally cool but if you can't or a better place to put your money right now is some somewhere that's trying to help people fight the uh systemic racial injustice plaguing our country um as with last week we'll put a link down in the show notes to black lives D.co, which I've found to be a pretty good of compilation of lists of places you can donate or other ways to help if you can't donate monetarily. Uh, but for now, it's time to do a little escapism and do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Hey, Jake. Hi, Jack. What are your beers for the 2019 film Midsommar? Midsommar. I went with local brewery, Mother Earth. So nice. there's your first thing. This is a this Good movie choice. takes place almost entirely in nature. They go to a commune in Sweden, right? And <laughs> I thought you were going to say it takes almost entirely on Mother Earth. It does. T- <laughs> that all that is also true. Maybe not mentally, but physically, I'm fairly certain they are on Mother Earth. Uh, this is their Four Seasons beer. This is a seasonal release, and this is the summer version of it. So this is a 12 percent beer, bourbon barrel aged barley wine. Um, <laughs> gonna be a big one for me you to know handle. it's a tuesday right chick yeah well we'll see yeah, we'll see we'll see but uh, you know mother earth kind of goes without saying four seasons kind of goes without saying summer release yep four seasons doesn't really go without saying but it's a pretty subtle line when he says, i don't know like, this life movie's cycle about of like the, the four stages of life that equate yeah. to the seasons and that's stuff. pretty subtle i think no the they movie starts with stated. a big fucking mosaic of the four seasons of life <laughs> subtle a subtle mosaic jake Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't go local this particular time. I am drinking number one, a a cider I've never had before from nice. the Cedar Draw Cidery, which I think is in Cedar. Tacoma. Um, oh okay. uh, no, Buell, Buell, Idaho. <laughs> it's very different directions. So yeah. it is. You could count that as local if you wanted to. If you just knew where you got your beer from. One's well, northwest of here. One southeast of here. <laughs> Who gives a shit? They're both the on co-op. Mother Earth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one is the Sour Empress. Um, cider, because this is a movie about a kind of matriarchal society that is governed in the end by a sour empress who becomes very bitter and, I think rightly, but does put her well, boyfriend sour to death. Yeah, well, sour. She's very sour. She's soured okay. on her boyfriend in the relationship. And not then I'm bitter. Also drinking, not bitter. Probably both. The, probably the, both, to be honest. Tell us if it tastes bitter. bitter at all. Yeah, and the other one I'm drinking is a Lagunitas Daytime IPA. Um, because this is a movie that takes place entirely during the daytime, except for the first scene and one dream. So I felt felt appropriate to do a daytime IPA here. Um, Mark, what about you? A surprisingly hard movie to beer on my end. 
I was looking for any type of summer seasonal beer that's been released, and we're still like hard in the spring seasonals out there. We also don't have Anderson Valley, which I'm pretty sure has a solstice. Yeah, they have a summer like solstice, yeah. Yeah, summer solstice. Uh, could not find that. So instead, I went a different direction. Uh, two things about this movie. There's a lot of fucking light, and there's a lot of fucking color. I am drinking, uh, this is the first non-local beer I've had in... Two months now? Three months now? Something sure. like that? Good I mean, on, as far as the show goes. Uh, I'm drinking a <laughs> Ninkasi Prismatic Juicy IPA. Mm. Uh, two things about prisms. You need light, and they make color. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. You know what? I'll buy it. It's a very colorful flick. Works. Yeah. I like it. It's pretty juicy, too, if you think about <laughs> it. I mean, is it? Well, it's two and a half hours of juice. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, yeah, we're going to get Isn't it, it that. like two hours and 40 minutes? Don't script yeah, okay, the Okay, sorry. Here. I understated it. Yeah. Uh, the director's yeah, cut's like a full 30 minutes longer. Oh, my God. I will never watch that director's cut, Ari Aster. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> man, I, spoilers. I loved this movie. Uh, uh, okay. Let's not talk about that part right now, though, because we might have also experienced some other shit in the horror world over the course of the last week besides Midsommar. Uh, so why don't we dive into Beers for Fears starting with paying up on lost Beers for Fears movies. So let's cue that music. You said that almost correctly. Mmm, beer. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. What an idiot! You suck, you jackass! Uh, let's see. So I'm paying up on Lost Beers for Fears. I've got a half. I've got a half ski. I need to talk about here. What? Uh, because I had to watch Screamers. Look, I got a half ski. I had to watch Screamers. Uh, the yeah! mid '90s yeah, horror screamers. movie. Yeah, I rented Screamers on Amazon. I and it was so good, you decided to buy it and I start again. I ostensibly watched it. All I remember, <laughs> I was at a wedding over this weekend up in the mountains, so I was very, very drunk when I watched this. Was like after wedding activities at about three thirty in the morning on Friday or Saturday. Um, I I watched it. I rented it. I remember getting very upset at how stupid it was, and then I remember being. <laughs> I remember nothing past the first 12 minutes of this movie. So I can't say this is a fairly having paid up for a lost beer for fear. I owe again on this lost beer for fear. But I did fi- watch a very stupid 12 minutes of this fucking movie. So that's what I've got. How about you, boys? That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, Because so now I know how much I hate it. And it's a <laughs> lot. <laughs> I am so happy that Screamers won that poll. <laughs> Fuck. It's so stupid. Mark, what about you? You got anything to pay up for? I don't have anything from the Lost Beers for Fears. I got a few things that I need to own up to, but uh, haven't gotten around to them yet. Sounds good. Jake, how about yourself? I'm clean slate right now until somebody God tells me I have to watch damn. something. God damn. I think I have well, one that I've lost in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I yeah, lost. You still need to watch Hard Candy or Annabelle Comes Home. I do? Yes. For what movie? For <laughs> Insidious. Oh, Jesus. I need to get on that. I looked and thought I didn't have anything. And then I saw that I lost, Tide lost the Jaws poll, which is fucking horse shit because i was the one that lived in new england and had the gansets and no one's giving me the backwards daps no, no i'm getting no daps not. no daps buddy These no daps bastards either way okay. let's cue scat man go to regular rocking horror worlds here. i get no daps <laughs> scat man's world all right i've got two to talk about in regular rocking horror worlds here it's a lot and, for you uh, jack I know, and both of them were pretty damn good. I'll tell you what. One of them is a rewatch. So okay. when I was at this wedding, um, you know, the horror thing came up, and there were a crowd of drunk yahoos that wanted something splattery and fun to watch. And uh, so I threw on The Babysitter, 
uh, which is still available on Netflix to stream for free. I mean, uh, it's a Netflix like joint. Yeah. Didn't they make it? Uh, I don't know. They at least bought the distribution rights, but sometimes those okay. fall off Netflix too. Uh, either way, it's presently on Netflix, and it's still a fucking banger. This movie rocks. It's so That's good. That's Tamara Weaving, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I and, was wondering. Uh, you let up. I was. My brain was going to a lot of movies, and that was not one that crossed my mind. So yeah, I don't well, know. I was looking means, for like but... I was looking for like a crowd pleaser and one that's pretty accessible and easy to like not pay good. that much attention to. Yeah, um, it was fucking great. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked about it probably a year and a half ago or something when all, I think all three of us at had least. watched it. Yeah. yeah but, uh, man, this movie is fantastic for kind of like a, a little bit of a mind trippy slasher movie, but just really fun, delightful and uh, well-made, uh, great, how's great the, little flick. How's um, the second act? Uh, you know, still not as good as the first act, but still pretty good. <laughs> it's <laughs> a terrible take. What? It's not good. Such a bad take. <laughs> second, the second act of that movie is perfect. No, it's the best second act of the movie. Absolutely isn't it? It's not as good as the first act of the movie. Um, either way, either way, uh, the movie as a whole is absolutely worth a watch. Now, the other one that I watched is Mark. Maybe I think it was your top one for June uh, in okay. our release roundup. I watched Becky. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. This is the. Uh, home invasion-y movie. Uh, it's, I rented it on Prime for like four ninety nine. I think. It's the one where Kevin James is playing the neo-Nazi villain. Joel yep. McHale is playing an ex-neo-Nazi of our, uh, our protagonist and our protagonist's father. Um, and it's kind of like a mix of like Home Alone and Green Room, pretty much, is how I'd describe it. Uh, great fucking film. Fantastic. The action in this movie is great. There's uh, only a couple of really gory scenes, but they are fucking gruesome. This movie is so much worth the watch. Uh, Kevin James absolutely kills it as the the bad guy neo-Nazi in this. Um, Joel McHale does a fine job. I don't think he's he's like particularly noteworthy, uh, but the he's the lead actress, man, I assume, right? Like sort of the straight man, but he's like an ex neo-Nazi. Now he's brought his uh, his his new his new girlfriend home to get married to upset his preteen daughter. Um, he's the straight man compared to what, Mark? Uh, compared to Kevin, Kevin James, James, James is who like is a doing is like swinging for the fences. He has some stuff to do acting wise. And Dale's just like playing a dude. He's just playing a dude. Um, Kevin James is fucking. He is so scary in this. He's like bubbling over, just you know, intimidation and just really fucking freaky. It's uh, it's fantastic. But the uh, I want to talk about Lulu Wilson, who's the actor who plays Becky. And she fucking kills it, too, which you really have to in this role. And I think did a lot of her own stunts, which is really fucking cool, because she was, like, I think 13 when they filmed this. She's the um, one from Ouija, Origin of Evil, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting most things about that trailer. I okay. believe that's correct, yeah. And she, uh, she rocks, and... I mean, like I said, if you want to see a combination of Green Room and Home Alone, this is your flick right here. Oh it's yeah, fucking okay, great. Yeah. yeah, I I gotta see it then. If it, I I'm a little confused about that tone, a little. But the movie is not confused about its tone and nails it throughout. I'll say okay. that the movie knows what its tone is. It's and more gets it Green right. Room than Home Alone, right? Oh yes, absolutely. Good. Okay, I only say Home Alone like because of like the improvised traps she makes sure. are are kind sure. of Kevin McAllister esque, but okay. they are not supposed to be funny, <laughs> and they are not. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) She doesn't put a tarantula on his chest or something like that? No, no. Mark, you'll Uh, find that's not funny either, okay? I'll also say there's there's a scene involving an eye I won't get into too much more detail about that is squirmy as hell, and then the follow-up to that scene is equally horrifying. Um, Did she put a tarantula on his eye? She does not. 
Okay. In his eye. <laughs> I'm comfortable spoiling that particular fact. Uh, um, either uh, way. Paint can from a rope? No paint cans from a rope. Okay. Well, th- this is nothing. Like, you are not describing Home Alone. <laughs> There's a zip line, Mark. There's a zip line. Okay. Okay. I'm back in. I'm back in now. <laughs> Either way, uh, great movie. Watch it on Amazon. Um, it's called Becky. It's fucking fantastic. I think you should watch it. It's one of my favorites of the year so far. Jake, what you got? Uh, I have only have one, but it's I air quotes a banger. It's air quotes a banger, guys. <laughs> I watched, you'll recall from earlier in the year, a movie came out called Underwater. Yeah. I watched Wait, is Underwater. Is this the Kristen Stewart I, one? Yeah, Kristen and like Stewart, Miller Vinny and Cassell, T.J. Miller, John Gallagher Jr. is in it. There's a quite a few people in this movie. Yeah. Um, I really like underwater horror. It gets to me. There's not as much out there that is like just you are deep in the ocean at the bottom of it all. Be scared and here's your inciting fear-inducing thing. Uh, that's what this promised. And in some ways it delivers. I... I did not love this movie. I think that it's well acted and it's totally a serviceable play if it's like middle of the summer, which we're getting to. That's why we're reviewing Midsummer. Um, but Wait, at what? the same time, <laughs> it just doesn't really go anywhere. I feel like it has such a great, I don't, it has such a great premise. It it can do so much that the fact that I'm you're left with what it ends up giving you. Uh, it, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. That's how I walked away from this one. Um, I'll say that I was not expecting, no spoilers to say there's a creature down there. Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting it to be what it ended up being, and that was interesting, if nothing else. Uh, a seahorse? So was good. it a giant seahorse? It was a big-ass seahorse. Is <laughs> the creature it. all of mankind's like shortcomings? Yeah, it's, it's actually all a metaphor. It's like it's like, it's like the movie The Monster, but in the underwaters. It's an exact and reproduction it, of Sphere. It's their own spaceship from the future. I'm pretty sure I like the movie adaptation. <laughs> I would love that. It's just Sphere. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I like the movie adaptation of Sphere more than I like this movie. The monster opens well, its mouth and there's a sign awesome. in there, like an Elmer Fudd gun that says it's just Sphere. But, I mean, whatever. You kind of know what you're getting with this, having seen the trailer. If you're interested in that, it's not going to do you any disservice. Uh, T.J. Miller does T.J. Miller stuff. I thought Vinny Cassell was really good. Kristen Stewart is good as the lead. Uh, she, her, I didn't feel like her character needed to do too much, which was interesting. But that's kind of like the way she is as an actress too. Yeah, that's she's not like she's powerhouse. During, that's how she is during interviews too, right? She says like, "I'm boring. I've lived a pretty boring life, and I can act boring pretty well." Yeah. So like that was maybe now that I'm thinking about it, like a little bit at odds with her being like the leader in this situation regardless uh it potentially felt a little bit strange to me but look everyone does a good job just watch the movie but maybe don't pay like 10 bucks for it which I how did you watch it i rented it on amazon prime for like six bucks maybe wait until it's like five bucks and it's underwater is the movie yes that's a pretty generic title (laughs) so generic jesus i almost (laughs) forgot what you asked me i was like that doesn't sound right all right, Mark, pretty good lineup so far. What you got going on? I got a bunch of stuff to talk about. So first off, um, this is a really more of a public service announcement than anything. Um, don't watch The Turning <laughs> from 2020. <laughs> Woo! Is that the one with Finn Wolfhard and shit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Where he's him and his sister are being babysat by uh, this lady who just comes <laughs> in and the... Uh, place is kind of haunted and 
I don't know. Is it haunted or is it just like a psychological thriller or all they are they shitheads or? <laughs> this movie is just unfocused nonsense that is trying to be like deeper than it actually is. And one of the other things that was very strange about this. So I watched. I got the Blu-ray in the mail. That's how I ended up watching this one. And as the credits are rolling, it just like mid like I I it's I thought it was an after credits thing. But it just cut straight to the deleted scenes. So it started playing a deleted scene. That's weird. That I thought was supposed to be a scene yeah. that like extended the narrative of the movie. And it wasn't. It was just a deleted scene. So like things that happened at the end of the movie hadn't happened yet. And this was just like in the middle of the fucking daylight, like whatever. Um, and they play this scene that like actively changes the meaning of the movie. And I'm like, oh, that was very strange. And they just kept playing the reel of deleted scenes. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like funny games, right? Where they just revert, like, and backwards. We're doing a different ending. Yeah. Uh, so I don't need to spend too much time talking about this one because, like I said, it's bad. You shouldn't see it. <laughs> uh, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because if you were planning on seeing it, I highly recommend you don't. I might do have that. picked that as my top one that month. I believe you may have. I believe it was certainly possible. <laughs> All right, what uh, else you got? That'll move me along to a movie that I am much more interested in talking about, which is... J- oh, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I've seen this movie a billion times already, but this time it happened on theme. Um, <laughs> this concludes my, my watch of the Jason franchise. I'm not going to go down Freddy vs. Jason, and we've already talked about the remake from 2009. Which sucks. Um, it didn't suck. You suck. <laughs> Jason X is, in many ways, the height of the franchise. It is incredible, infallible. Uh, we definitely need to it's, review it's, this movie at some well, point. It is it's many one of things. my favorites. Infallible is certainly not one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> I agree is, with that take. It is one of the few movies that I am totally willing to go the distance with uh, in the sense that it is a complete and utter B-horror. I get that. It's not trying to be serious, but I think just because of the way the series evolved over time and because of like the timing of when it arrived in 2001 and the way that they were clearly just trying to do like, <laughs> um, I think it all comes together in such a delightful package. The only thing that on the rewatch, and this is probably the close to the 10th time I've seen this probably. Um, the only thing that I, I kind of forgot about was how long the intro to the movie is in two ways. The first of which is that there's a exceedingly long, like CG graphic intro credit thing where they're like flying through the cellular structure of Jason's <laughs> brain. And that's Mark, like three minutes for some It was reason. the early two thousands and house had just come out. It was a law. You have to fly inside somebody's body using bad CG. It's a law. Well, yeah. And they were just trying to be law abiding citizens. And then the actual, like the part of the movie that is set in 2010 uh, this movie came out in 2001, but the first part set in 2010 is like 10 minutes long and not particularly good. Like the charm of this movie is the shtick of them making like Xenon girl of the 21st century style sci-fi sets and putting Jason on them. <laughs> and you don't get that until you're like uh, 15 minutes into the movie or something like that. So aside from that, that's probably my main complaint about the whole thing. Other than that, it's a great movie. I fucking love Jason X. It's such a... Such a wonderful evening to spend watching Jason X. You and probably are all these... Oh, go ahead, Jake. 
I was going to say, you probably mentioned this before, but where in terms of Mark's voyage with this franchise, like what, where did this hit? When you saw this, how many other things had you seen initially? You're like, oh, like the first time I saw first it? First time you saw it. First time I saw it, I had definitely seen one, like the, the original Friday the 13th part one. And that might've been it actually. I didn't, I didn't, I, most of the ones this time were my first viewing. Yeah. I just wonder um, how much of your love for it is, I don't know, like you can kind of like put certain things on mantles, on pedestals rather, and I'm yeah. thinking that's certainly what's Who, going Mark? on here. Who, Mark? No. Yeah, that's not me, man. <laughs> I think you have me confused with someone else. <laughs> Cram, <right>. probably. <laughs> I think that's probably right, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, are all, are all these Friday the 13th movies still free on Amazon Prime? So this one was not. So I, I did figure out uh, something. I talked about this last time that all of them up until nine, uh, the final Friday, whatever, um, Jason goes to hell, the final Friday, were available for free. And then I was like, I wonder why nine and ten aren't. Um, so this one ended up, Jason X, I rented on Google. You actually can't even rent it on Amazon. Weird. Um, but I guess the difference was there was, so Paramount owns the rights to the name Friday the 13th, and these, the nine and 10 are not paramount movies. So Which that's why, why they're neither of them are yeah. called Friday the 13th. One's called the final Friday. One's called Jason X, whatever. Very stupid. So uh, I, I would assume as a result of that, they also have different distribution deals. So I haven't checked Friday the 13th availability on Amazon uh, within the last two weeks, but uh, two or three weeks ago, they were all still available through eight. Nice. And then if you want to get nine or 10, you probably just got to rent them. Sounds I mean, about right. Two bucks, whatever. All right. What else you got? Uh, the last one I got is a little bit out of the box. Every year I do an E3 recap of the horror video games that get announced. This year, unfortunately, uh, because of these unprecedented times, we <laughs> we, we don't you. have an E3. A to Z Horror is here for you in these unprecedented times. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Uh, we did not get an E3 this year, but we did get a PlayStation 5 reveal day that had this 90-minute long event that was just straight trailers for that entire length which was fucking awesome uh so i walked i watched through that and uh i have some i have six games i want to talk about okay in the sake of tradition of keeping the e3 thing alive good we'll do a lightning round of that but before you do i have an old man gripe about video game systems these days okay the differences between generations is nothing now Except we for with Nintendo. That. Nintendo's still doing it. But it was like between like the Super Nintendo, Genesis, and then the next one, then you're like 2D to 3D, right? To the N64 and the PlayStation and all that kind of shit. And then you got the Xbox in there to the GameCube. And then you're moving on to the Wii, which is a cool gimmick. But after that, it's just like now they're all just a little bit better than the one before, but the exact same thing. And it's dumb and not exciting. Yeah, PS3 to PS4 wasn't that big of a step up. It was just kind of a graphical upgrade. This one could be interesting because the PS5 is going a route that's a little bit... The Xbox, whatever the new one's called, Xbox Series X, is that right? Is oh my god, that can't... <laughs> It's the worst it. nomenclature. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, they've they've completely shot themselves in the foot with how they evolve their system from here on out. But anyways, well, they've done it that like one three times now. Just... They pick a new nomenclature and it's obscenely stupid, and they have to start over every third system. It's better than the X Bone. Um, I theirs is theirs is seemingly just a pure power upgrade. Like they'll be able, they're basically just putting out a supercomputer. Uh, the PS5 is going a little bit of a different direction and making a extremely fast like memory interface. 
that's entirely proprietary and like hardwired in and all this other stuff. So they're basically the, the crazy thing that could happen this generation between PS4 and PS5 is that load times could be erased almost in their entirety, which mm-hmm. has a lot of ramifications as far as game design. Mark, so it might not seem like a lot, but once the PS5 comes out, there actually could be a pretty substantial step as far as like difference in how the software is designed. You're talking to a guy who plays still plays Morrowind on my three-year-old laptop. I'm not a guy who worries about loading times being short. Okay, well, I'm just saying that might happen now. <laughs> also, I tried to play Subnautica on this thing, and it was the loading time thing on that was was rough. Jack's just Jack's just clarifying that he's the type of person who should be delivering this sort of uh, gripe about con- yeah. console design and what and in fairness, Jack, of. the load time of Subnautica on my like actually pretty damn nice home built PC was still like five minutes. <laughs> it was yeah. like okay, I'm gonna go turn Subnautica on, take a shower, and come back. Fair. Okay, enough. Mark, I- lightning round. This go is fast. All right, first off, we have Returnal, which is basically Alien meets Groundhog Day. Uh, I don't really have much to add there, except that it looked kind of, it's its actually kind of a weirdly arcadey shooter that doesn't seem like that matches the vibe Is that the, the, the one with the woman the in the space suit? Yes, Kay. exactly. And she dies a bunch, and then she gets yeah. in, reinvigorated. I feel like Groundhog Day was the again. theme in the trailers that I saw. Yeah. Next up, we got Ghostwire Tokyo. So Ghost, this was one that we talked about last year at E3, but we actually got like gameplay this time around. This is from uh, Shinji Mikami, who's the guy who did the original Resident Evil games and The Evil Within. And this time he made a first-person shooter, except instead of a shooter, you use your like hands to do finger gun symbols and shoot spells at ghosts. <laughs> so that's going to be interesting and Fuck. weird. Uh, next up, you got Little Devil Inside, which I guess has been a Kickstarter for like the last five years, uh, but it's finally coming out. It's this super cartoonish monster hunting game. It's not. It's it's probably horror in the same vein that like Don't Starve is horror, where it's just extremely cartoony. But you're or like Inside, I guess, kind of limbo in the same way, where it's just like the world itself is horrifying, but it's really more of like an action adventure slasher type thing. It has like a very specific look that I'm trying to remember what it reminds me of. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like a gothic cartoon. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, that is what it is. Yeah. In certain, um, it's kind of, I don't know, borderline Tim Burton-y. I don't know. That's a bad take. No, there's some Tim Burton mixed in there. None too. of this is helping the lightning round aspect of this exercise. Yeah, Jake insisted on doing the lightning round and then immediately paused my lightning <laughs> I'm round. I'm not contributing to the quickness or slowness of the lightning round. I'm just interjecting at times. I'm I'm immune. You'll find. Demon Souls Remaster is another one. This isn't necessarily a horror, a horror game, game either, but it is definitely set in a horror universe, and you're sure. fighting a bunch of demons. So, I mean, kind of. Tower of Latria on that new shit's going to be fucking dank. Exactly yeah. dank. Uh, next up, Resident Evil 8, uh, which is Village, I guess, subtitled V-I-L-L, then being V-I-I-8. <laughs> okay. It's the whole what? thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whatever. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, so this is, I think, the same engine that they built. Well, it's got to be an updated version of the engine that they built 7 off of. It looks very similar, except now it's also kind of gothic horror. There are witches and werewolves, and you're walking through the woods at night. Resident Evil are not my kind of games, but uh, you know what? This is probably going to, people are going to like it. Whatever. It's Resident Evil 8. Lastly, Pragmata. Oh, just go watch this trailer, because it's weird. Uh, This is, I think this is kind of trying to be Dead Space, but it also kind of has a little bit of a Death Stranding vibe to it. So I included it here because Dead Space, obviously, is one of the best, like, horror games of all time. Mark, I tried uh, to watch some Death Stranding uh, videos, gameplay videos, after you told me about that game, and I hate video games now, I think. I hate the concept of video games. Yeah, I think it does that to people. That did that to a lot of people. Uh, Death Stranding... 
Mm, don't go watch that. Instead, go watch Pragmata, the trailer that was included in the Future of Gaming or whatever Gaming Beyond event. Uh, this concludes my lightning round. Yay! Okay. I have one more thing to add. By the time this comes out, this podcast episode comes out, like two days ago, The Last of Us Part Two will have come out. And I will have been playing it. And probably next week I will have an opinion on the first Last of Us that I can share with you guys. Somebody has to loan me a thing to play it because I still think that game sucks and I need to play it again because nobody else seems to think it sucks. You suck. Hey, before we move on too far from video games, really quick note. Uh, Itch.io is a website that you can like buy these games on. And they put a um, they put out a, bo- a bundle that had like literally seventeen hundred games or some obscene number in it, and it was a pay what you want type of bundle uh, that went to benefit the NAACP and uh, one of those bail funds. Um, so it was the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Education Fund, and then um, one of the like the conglomerated bail fund things, the bail project uh, or something. Yeah. So I believe the I believe it's closed now. But if you were able to get your hand on that, I think they raised like eight million dollars for charity, which is awesome. Um, if you are out there and you actually did get a copy of that, I just wanted to highlight that there's a game in there called Oxenfree, uh, which I've talked about on this podcast before. It's buried down there, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. But if you got it on a whim and you didn't really know what games to play, go check out Oxenfree. It's this cool little like visual ghost story thing. It's not. It's one of those like almost. It's a it's a side scroller like point and click, like visual novel type thing. Uh, sort of choose your own adventure. It's very much in the same vein as like Kentucky Route Zero, that type of game. Um, anyways, Oxenfree is fucking awesome, and it's not particularly long. It maybe took me like four or five hours. So, there you go, Oxenfree. All right, there we go. Let's get on to the feature presentation. Over at AtoZHorror.com this week, we watched 2019's Midsommar, uh, which was a Jake pick. Now, Jake, if I'm, I'm going to try to paraphrase you here, you, you wanted to watch it because... It was one of those where you'd seen it, we hadn't seen it yet, and we hadn't seen it yet. You recommended it to both of us. You got pissed off and just forced us to watch it so you could talk about it, which is a move all three of us have pulled at some point. Yeah, that and two other reasons. Reason one It's Midsommar. That it's mid... So also, let's just make a pack. For the rest of this podcast, we are going to refer to this movie as Midsummer because I, I won't. Can't. can't do it. There's an A in there. Oh, I, I can't change it back now. It's Midsommar. <laughs> okay, I'm going to call it Midsummer, and those two are going to call it Midsommar. So enjoy, <laughs> listener. Uh, that was one reason. And then two was this was my movie of the year last year, so I wanted to revisit it because it felt like Ari Aster's first film extraordinarily dense. And I remember one of the things that I said as being like, this is one that I think you would probably need to digest mul- on multiple viewings. So I wanted to see how that would go and whether or not it was true. And yeah. I am prepared to talk about that in some amount of detail. Today. Fair enough. Is there a reason you've now said Ari Oster's first film twice and haven't said uh, hereditary? Hereditary. Okay. Just hereditary. 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 Um, yeah. So, Jake, this is a second viewing for you. Was the first yeah. one in theaters? No, I okay. no. It, it was like right when it hit. I think I paid too much for this to rent it. It was like right when it moved down from like the I don't know two weeks or whatever where they only allow you to buy it and then you can rent it, but it's like eight bones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's still like six bones, so or it's, I mean, it's free, free if you have Prime. Yeah, it's free oh on yeah, this is, I, yeah. I've been, yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Which did you make an about. oopsie? <laughs> no, I did. I don't think I. Shit, I need to go check my credit card statement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, either way, I know for a fact, Mark, you hadn't seen this, and I hadn't seen this, but... That is correct. Both of us fucking love Hereditary, so... 
That is uh, also correct. Yeah, so I was very, very eager to see this. Very happy that you picked it, Jake. Um, and we will dive all the way into this movie real soon, but you picked this movie, Jake. You know what that means. You got to hit us with a 30-second plot synopsis. 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. It's going to start when you start. Danny suffers a tragedy when her sister kills herself and her parents. She decides to go to Sweden with her kind of dickhead boyfriend, Christian, and his anthropology grad student friends. They get there with their friend who is from this commune in Sweden, and, like, cult shit goes off the rails almost immediately. Pretty much all of them get killed for doing various things that are regrettable, to say the least. And the movie just sort of progresses while Danny sort of becomes more enveloped with this cult until everyone's dead but her and she's now with them. Time! Time. <laughs> you, this you movie really is... This is that was a hard thirty seconds. Yeah, I mean, look, you got like two hours and forty minutes of shit to get. You got to keep it light <laughs> yeah. in thirty seconds. You spent a long time saying regrettable. Just yeah, that's that was too many syllables three. to work. That was probably ten percent yeah. of my thirty second plot <laughs> synopsis. The economy of syllables is very important when you're talking about hundred and sixty minutes of movie. A lot of movie. Oh a lot of God, girth. It's so much movie. All right, it's a very boys. girthy movie. <laughs> Look, I'm very, very excited to talk about very this movie. Girthy. And all the I mean, let's finish up just kind of the stuff you missed, Jake. She is crowned the May Queen. Her boyfriend fucks one of the cult members. She has a panic attack. Then she decides that he gets to be put to death along with the other people who volunteered to die and they all get burned. Yeah, so this is... Okay, yeah. So there once every 99 is a very important number in certain Nordic cultures. And every 90 years, there is a festival. They have a Midsummer Festival every summer. But every 90 years, there's one where... They commit nine human sacrifices uh, to keep the village like clean and pure and, you know, bodes well for everyone who's not among the killed. Uh, so part of this is I guess they send people out there to like bring in some of the sacrifices. So there's there's blood in that regard. And then there's also blood from some of the commune itself. This goes deeper and deeper, but that's the high level. So they are brought into this cult to be sacrificed, more or less. Right. And that's at least four people from the commune, four outsiders, and the last one's like a wild card. Wild card. That's why they have the <laughs> fucking stupid, like, ball machine. Yeehaw! That fucking ball. We're going to talk about that fucking ball that's machine. That's later. There's yeah, a that lot of that. much, much later. Because now we got to talk about what in the fuck subgenres of horror this fits into, except cult, because I'm taking that one. Foreign. No. I suppose. Heavens, no. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, not foreign. Domestic. Is domestic one? <laughs> Marcus, your um, hand's reaching for the keyboard. Don't do it. Don't add it. <laughs> foreign, comma, domestic. It's kind of just a cult movie, man. Psychological, I, it's, it's for like, sure. It's psychological, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about psychological. It's also like border. It, this is like so self-indulgent that it's hard not to it's not an art house film <laughs> but it's true. like it's pretty, an art it's house pretty film art. and we're gonna talk about that and what it does wrong but it's, it's pretty an art, art. House film. it's pretty art i wonder can we add just long as a subgenre? <laughs> no no art house works well no. enough okay yeah. <laughs> i think art house is already on here i sh- fucking should be because we didn't know what else to put that goddamn gaspar no movie into it's an uh, art movie fun- man. funny enough it's number 69 on our list Ooh, nice <laughs> art slash experimental that's what this is. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it that. Um, there is a certain amount of gore, but it doesn't rise to the level of no. gore. But this is some of the more intense gore I've seen recently. It just, I mean, it hits you hard. It's its gory in the sense that, I mean, not that it's, like, done in exactly the same way, but it's gory 
in the way that it hits you like Green Room is, where it is impactful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's really only like one or two gory things in the entire length of the movie. Yeah, it's not a huge number of them. Right? Yeah, there's a few like, that are like borderline a little bit. Um, I mean, you got the you got the cliff scene, and yeah. you got like the reveal of the bodies at the end, kind of. Uh, I the blood eagle probably fits too. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. pretty fucked up. With his lo- lungs making the wings. Yeah, the blood eagle's that's, gnarly, dude. Or not? Maybe that's not his lungs. Kind of what I meant kidney. with the the reveal I mean, of it, the bodies. You're talking about that whole. Yeah. Okay, so I thought you meant like when they were bringing the them sequence. into the. Okay, okay. I mean, they they really only show that one body and then everyone else is just like sitting in the barn essentially but i guess they show the girl in the wheelbarrow connie in the wheelbarrow yeah, she got like drowned that, yeah when yeah. they and kill then, that one dude who jumps off the cliff though that's so savage with the multiple yeah, the mallet scene strikes to his face uh, the whole thing is fucking brutal dude yeah oh my god yeah Fuck. i okay. would go as far as to say that the cliff scene is what this movie does right let yeah let's jump into what this movie does right and let should we just jump in on the cliff scene Sure, it we is the it, it's the turning point of the movie. I would say. I mean, you're you know what you're getting into. You're watching an Ari Aster movie about a cult, but that is the point. It's always interesting. I've talked about this before too. In the characters' heads, the moment they realize they're in a horror movie, and that's where this is. I would say one hundred percent. And even from a viewing perspective, I was not as a very seasoned horror viewer. I was not ready for what they showed me with that those suicides there, yeah. where they just jump off and so directly show you the, just the the splat. Yeah, it's certainly an inflection point, and it's bad enough with the first lady. So there's two that kill themselves. They're the two elders of the village that turn seventy two, and you can't get older than seventy two in this village for some reason. So they throw themselves off. Nine. The first lady lands it's nines. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it could have been you know a lot of different numbers, but the first lady does an appropriate swan dro- swan dive and lands face first on a rock and dies instantly. Guy's you an idiot. see it. And then the yeah, the guy follows her and just does a pencil dive and <laughs> breaks the fuck out of his leg. Femurs went and straight up through his shoulders. Like a, God. And then yeah, they got to bring in the mallet. And I was I was so convinced it was going to be a Chekhov's mallet and then it wasn't and that is one of the great disappointments of the movie if I'm being honest. <laughs> really? You, you find yourself mallet. disappointed? Like you wanted them to I, it kind of is, right? They hit the guy who plays Cheaty on The Good Place with it later on. Do, I, do they? Oh, yeah, I guess they do. I don't know. That's such a minor... I mean, it's a b- important scene, but it's like a, such a minor part of that like, scene. What were you I hoping thought it was going to be... What do you mean a Chekhov's belt? What were you hoping them to do? Not Oh, I it. thought it was going to be like a Misery style something or other that came back up later. Or maybe they're not all killed in a burning barn. Maybe that's how Christian gets killed at the end or something See, like man, that. See, man, I, I mean, feel like they already did what they needed to do with that. You can't make that mallet any more impactful it'd, it'd be too much of a gamble <laughs> at that point because okay a, the first time they is hit his fucking yes, face it was intended. is really really distressing like the first time they mallet his head into the ground and they show you his jaw splitting from it and his head splitting backwards but then, and then they just have someone else hit it again in the exact same place and yeah. it like doesn't move that time because it's already as broken as it can be and that one was more polarized. impactful somehow for there's me. something about like yeah the kills in these cult movies that I don't have a long list of, but there's something about them that their brand of disturbing is just almost, I can't take it. You're thinking about the Apostle one, aren't I you? I fucking hate that kill. <laughs> <laughs> You've been hung up on that thing for like Dude, two that years. thing fucked me up so bad. <laughs> I hate it. Watch that shit and tell, you, tell me it does not fuck you up. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really get under my skin Oh my much. god. I mean, it's I, gross. It but... like almost killed me, dude. <laughs> 
Like, I can't. So, yeah, obviously that whole cliff scene is amazing. While we're deeply, deeply in what it does right, when you talk about Florence Pugh, who I think is the best actor currently working, she's fucking amazing. She certainly does a great job. I haven't seen Little Women, but what a hell of a year. I've seen Little Women, which she was filming like at a very similar time, and yeah. she fucking slays that movie, too. It's, uh, but she's, uh, I mean, she's part of like an ensemble in that movie. And it's not to say that like other characters don't do as good of a job here, but she has to carry this movie from start to finish. And I think she nails it completely because like, there's no, sticks there's the no, landing perfect 10. And she performance. is the entire audience surrogate here. Cause there is no other remotely relatable character. You've got, I mean, I guess the guy who plays Cheaty, whose character or name, I don't know his actor's name and I don't know his character's name, okay. but he, nice. he's his the only Josh o- in the movie, Josh in the movie. He's the only other slightly relatable one who you can, but he's not given enough screen time to do too much <laughs> with. But beyond that, you've got, Fucking weirdo cult members. You've got the most tremendous asshole boyfriend I've seen on screen in a long time. And you've got a real piece of shit, just fucking asshole Will, friend. Oh, Will, Will Poulter. Will Poulter playing Mark. Mark <laughs> is such a dickhead. Mark, Mark is a so great much. character for this movie, He's a though. really good character. Yeah. He's another thing but that this movie does right, because is you like, kind of need that for a lot of reasons. And even even the the, the Norwegian friend is is who's the cult member. Like, Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, Pele. He's he's <laughs> fucking too. Something's off about him the whole movie. So it's on Florence Pugh to keep you as the viewer grounded in this movie, and she doesn't start to finish. Yeah, I, I have two things to say on this diatribe. The first of which is that Josh's name is William Jackson Harper. That's thank you. Thank you. What's, yes. What's number two? Uh, the second thing is I kind of want to be a Christian apologist. Christian's I do, the I boyfriend. Do I do too. I, I I do too. You could completely. They do. they very clearly go out of their way from a writing standpoint to make sure he's not identifiable. But I I think you could like literally change two scenes very slightly and completely change the nature of his character. And do you know I, what's I interesting about that. this too is they knew that and they did work to make it that way. Uh, so in some of the director's cut scenes he's actually being more of an objective dickhead and they removed those mm. he's he it's it's more ambiguous this way and i think it's better for it i liked some of those director cut scenes i i didn't watch them this time i think you guys remember me talking about it i went back and just kind of like viewed the different scenes in like the here's this scene on youtube right so i didn't see them in order in the film but i saw them Generally speaking, I could figure out where they fit, and yeah, he was more of just a dick, right? Yeah, because I, I have he's, a lot of notes. self-centered. I, I have a lot of notes in here where it's like one particular trait or another that they identify him with, right? Like not remembering the exact number of years they've been together. Like that's not the kind of thing that makes you a bad partner or an asshole. But my notes, I'll say, yeah, he is still a fucking asshole, and it's all the emotional manipulation stuff at the beginning, right? Like, well, you know, I think you don't want to come, right? Getting her to say she's the one who doesn't want to come and all that. Just they, he sucks, but not all the traits that are supposed to be identifiable as asshole traits are asshole traits. He's certainly not a good guy, but he's not the he's not the villain of the movie. He's just sort of a he's like quite literally a sacrificial lamb, except he ends up being a bear instead of a lamb. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It really is because he like kind of is the antagonist, but he's also not at all the antagonist. Like he fills the role, but not really because I I agree with Mark completely. Like I'm a bit of a Christian apologist. Like he he doesn't do anything outside of just kind of being like 
checked out of the relationship and a little bit callous to well, what her needs are. For and, me, and to go back to the beginning, the, the like the origin of their relationship as it starts in the movie is that he already kind of wants to break up with her. They're not a good match, whatever. And then a horrible tragedy befalls her, and he can't. He's like, I mean, I'm not going to peace out right now. I actually yeah, really like this because it's it's a bad relationship, really for both parties. But I think that this is a way better example of like the type of bad or toxic situations on screen than what you normally get because it's normally like so on the nose. But here is just like it's not over the top. It's just a relationship that's not doing what it needs to do for either party, and really in particular for Danny's character in this movie because she's not getting what she needs and she's feeling in a way that she should not be made to feel. Consider yeah. like she's just in her headspace is all fucked up and he's not helping and that's terrible, but it's not what you typically would see in this sort of a uh, toxic quote-unquote relationship. I, I so agree I like with you. That. It's much much more subtle and better written. The only parts that are like Un- unforgivable asshole things are the all the emotional manipulation stuff he does right the like well no, no, she she said she's coming she but she won't be coming and then all you could just see all that it's because he's kind of trying to play like both sides like he wants to be out of the relationship and he wants to be with his boys but then like he also doesn't really and you can kind of see the conscience he's trying to be in. non-confrontational about yeah it. and he he's just kind of like in that regard he's just kind of a meek character he's your sacrificial lamb yeah, he yeah. really he really is. I mean, it's it's surprisingly layered. And the one, I mean, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here. The the two things that I had circled for, um, where they very clearly go out of their way to break from his character, um, and make him be more of a dick is one when he just decides to steal the guy's thesis. That was yeah. That one. <laughs> Which it like, felt like what? <laughs> yeah, I really didn't like. You're that, in actually. your fifth year of an anthropology program, and you're just now figuring yeah. out that you want to study. I actually this. halfway to through about, a trip. It's yeah, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that later because I didn't really. Yeah, like that. I, I, that I, I don't. We can come that. Yeah. We can come back to that. The other one I was going to say though was once uh, Josh disappears. Uh, and he immediately just like, I mean, this guy's like his best friend. He's just like, oh, no, fuck Josh. Josh was not with us the whole time. We're here to help you. <laughs> Josh is an asshole. It's mostly has to do with the writing of him and like his friends, particularly Josh. It's It all has to do with the fucking thesis thing. It's where it stems from. I don't. Yeah, later. Because there, yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of stuff also where she's like visibly uncomfortable, and he's just like ignoring her. Like, yeah, 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 fuck off. But we're here. We're doing this thing. Here's what I'm interested in. He's dismissive. Mm. Yeah. 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 He sucks. Um, I. I, I love when you watch a director that has, like, such a specific voice and you can see stuff throughout their work. Because, like, after the the scene where where Florence Pugh's sister kills herself and her parents in the car, like, the the post, the, the kind of, you know, twinkly music, kind of slightly out of focus shots, sweeping stuff that's going on while you're explaining what's happened afterwards is so reminiscent of Hereditary. It's yeah. so much like after the the daughter dies in Hereditary that it's like so much an Ari Aster thing, and it's beautiful. It's yeah, it's he like, has these like tragic. kind of dream tragedy nightscape things happening uh, that punctuate the tragic moment that are kind of crushing. Absolutely, yeah. And his use, I mean, his cinematography in this film, I think, is is he's growing too. Like the the shot where she's talking to the whole group of of guys in their room, and you can only see a little bit of her reflection from the TV that's turned off, is like brilliant and awesome and like really cool. Is that a TV? Storytelling. Yeah, I think so. There's a I, lot that has to do. So it's acting like a mirror, and that's directly after a scene with her and Christian in one of those kind of more manipulative type scenes where she's being apologetic and she shouldn't be right. Uh, they shoot through the mirror so you can kind of see both 
parties. I, I'm getting cinematography. Th- technically, this movie is fucking crazy good. It's okay? wild. Yeah, like in almost every respect. Technically, yep. yeah. Uh, yeah. Cinematography and, I mean, being hereditary was hereditary was the same way. I I was gonna bring up two more things that are now kind of asterisms. Can we call them asterisks? I, <laughs> I like asterisms. <laughs> okay, asterisms. So the dude can shoot a shape. He understands weird fucking shapes and by weird shapes i mean like mostly squares and triangles that are just incredibly hard edged oh yeah Say more. Keep, right? keeping your shots sparse is an important part of that right like so yes yeah and then breaking up background imagery typically i mean i'm thinking a lot of like the treehouse from hereditary breaking up the background natural imagery with these like sharp lines that are typically also high contrast with colors and stuff so the treehouse in hereditary in my mind, very similar to the uh, weird temple thing. That, that they end up the burning ending. everyone in in this one. Yeah, yeah, that they end up burning everyone in at the end. Um, but then also just throughout the scenes, like the way that triangles play in and these, th- he uses them to break up sort of the natural flow of things. I don't know if that's in a, a means in, in this case of like showing mankind versus nature or some other metaphorical thing here. I just think the guy likes shapes. He likes shapes. <laughs> the other asterism I wanted to point out is... Um, close-up of obliterated face shot dude because the the woman that falls on the rock from the cliff scene that we already talked about when they do it they do a close-up on her face and it is exactly the same shot as when they shoot charlie from hereditary it is yeah yeah well he does back-to-back close-up fucked up face shots in this movie so in the next one, I expect three back to back to back. Exactly fucked up. Oh, in his in his four hour whatever <laughs> dark comedy. comedy. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, he's. I don't know. I I am incredibly interested to see where his career goes, but I'm not going to be able to follow him down the road of a four hour long movie. I don't I think can't. he gives. Yeah, he's obviously this dude is an artist, so he's going to make some stuff that's. It's polarizing. This is a vastly more polarizing movie than Hereditary, I think. I yeah, think. for Pretty sure. sure. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know if that's true because Hereditary got like a much bigger. Well, I don't. Maybe it. Maybe it didn't. I didn't look at the box offices, but I assumed the box that Hereditary got a bigger release, like a more popular release. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what Jake's saying. Oh, I thought you said Midsummer was more polarizing. It, yeah, it, it is. That's why Hereditary got a bigger release. It was more widely enjoyed. Oh, I had a completely different read on that. I think Hereditary is more polarizing because more people saw it and don't like horror. Oh, and Midsommar you... was a horror movie that the people who knew what they were getting into what? saw. And... But this one also like doesn't look like... The... Okay, here's another thing. Weird horror movie to like be as colorful it is and as in the light as it's it is. So like, this bright. is as close the to like, use a happy... The light and the bright. This oh horror movie God. is the equivalent of like the shit that we talk about where it's like, what's the happiest sounding song that you can think of that has the most disturbing or distraught lyricism? And it's still Dance trained music in vain. by the Mountain Goats. Tra- it's, it's still, still trained it's, in vain. It's trained yeah. in vain. Not Electric Avenue? There, Electric there are Avenue's lot, up there. There are a lot sure. of these, but that's okay. kind of what this is in movie equivalent form to me. Hmm. It's, I can't know. wait to use none of those as our outro music. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. Uh, color, guys. Yeah. This is a treat to look at. Color, color fully. Shit. It's beautiful. I I mean, I completely agree. And obviously the use of light is super important to that as well. I They have the same art style as like color is important for the flowers and whatnot but also the 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 art and i guess whatever you'd want to call them historical texts that they come up with for this movie 
showed that off really well. Are you as talking well. about like the bunkhouse, the paintings? Yes, yeah. The bunkhouse like, is phenomenal. Looking. Yeah, dude. What? It they, blows I mean, my they mind. definitely actually made that. So they definitely did. Uh, one system. other quick thing that art style. So this has to be traditional to Sweden and whatever that type of people are. Uh, but it looks reminiscent Norse? of, and I'm assuming it's for good reason, another video game reference, Year Walk. If you've never heard of that, you should probably check it out if you're listening yeah, to this podcast. Yeah, Jake, That's you made me play that. That's a hell of a game. That is a hell that of was, a game. That was Inuit, wasn't it? No, that was Swedish. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. that's Swedish mid-winter. <laughs> winter. Mid-winter? <laughs> yeah. It's mid-winter. It's oh, a companion God. piece to this movie. Just go ahead and play it. Yeah, now I'll have to play it. Shit. <laughs> What else do we have in the movie does hard right? I I mean, I keep having just tiny little notes about Aster, but the other the other one that I also just stumble on in my notes that I didn't have a bullet point behind and I don't know why, but um he has a weird sense of rhythm too that I feel like really helps like the progression of scenes. This is a long movie, but it doesn't for whatever reason it didn't I was going to say that. feel particularly long. I have to mention that here. Like that almost the length of this movie can be mentioned in every single, maybe it just does belong in middle, but it could be in any part of this. Cause this I does agree. not feel like a two hour and 40 minute movie at all. No, it sure right. doesn't. But what I was starting to notice is with certain scenes, not all of them, but with certain of them, there's like, there's a rhythm to the bed. Ba- there's actually like literally a beat going on in the background and it like keeps the movie kind yeah. of progressing along. And it comes down to the other like weird touches that he throws in there. The one that comes to mind is the exhaling thing that they do. The Yeah. Oh my God. Backwards Mark- of that, but yes. And that goes along yeah. with kind of what we were mentioning with cinematography, that visual storytelling is part of his rhythm, right? He's so careful to when he wants you to be comfortable, not cut and do a new scene where the, the the object isn't in the same part of the scene as the previous scene. So you get that continuity. You feel comfortable until he wants you to feel fucked up. And then he's like, and now the focus is in the lower left and you have to feel uncomfortable because I changed it up. He's so fucking good at that visual storytelling. Yeah. And I keep coming back to the trailer for Hereditary, which to this day is still the best trailer we've watched for HRR mm-hmm. far and away. Um, and it just has that same like weird rhythm to it. That's just like these sort of natural sounds that create a drum beat that gets you from point A to point B. And when you cut that together with, I mean, the dude's also a pretty solid, I don't know if he did the editing or helped out with the edit, whatever, but wh- whatever editor he works with, they work together in a way to accentuate the dissonance between the scenes that you're seeing and while maintaining that rhythm, like you're talking about Jack. It's fantastic. Oh yeah. That's pretty good. Another thing that I want to mention here, because I don't know how much more time we have in the good category, is disorientation. This movie's about disorientation because oh. it's it's interesting because one of the things we mentioned at the start of the episode was that this movie literally throws up on the screen at the very beginning, like I'm talking second one, a fresco that tells you exactly what's going to happen during the movie, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> this movie telegraphs a lot. And I, that's okay, because then what it does is it just, the whole time, it's subverting everything by disorienting the fuck out of the characters and you through its film style. And a lot of that in this movie, we haven't really talked about it yet, but they're on fucking psychedelics, like, the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's actually really impactful to do what it does from a disorientation standpoint. So it's done through the psychedelics. It's done through the respect that like not many people have experienced on the planet have experienced like what it's like to be in the middle of summer up that far North. It's weird. 
and that's cool too and it fucks with the characters it kind of fucks with you they don't ever like go out of their way to talk about it but it's noticeable uh and i just think that that's a really nice kind of deft touch to something that they're otherwise they're both i don't know it's it's weird man they're simultaneously telling you exactly what they're going to do and then fucking your brain up the whole time it's I wild. am I'm really glad you brought this up uh, because I did want to talk about the drugs in this movie. That was something that like didn't I don't think you really mentioned during the 30 second plot synopsis. No, but there's a substantial amount of uh, natural drug use. It's Mushrooms. not like they're not doing cocaine or yeah, whatever they're shrooms. doing or, or even really pot. It's just, yeah, it's shit. They find <laughs> on the land and grind up and this is Mark. Hey, kids, face. if it comes from the ground, it's probably OK. <laughs> Well, it's certainly better than comes from the grocery store shelves from the cleaning aisle or whatever. But, um, I the it comes and goes. I, I think my favorite scene from this movie is the initial trip that uh, Danny has when she looks down and sees the grass coming out of her mm-hmm. foot. Well, that's shoe, not the whatever. initial her hand. Yeah, when they're sitting there under the tree. Yeah, that's the initial. Yeah, trip. it comes back later. Oh, it's, when that's the grass her hand. Grows up. The yeah, grass okay. is out of her hand. Yeah. And oh, then and then it's later. Out of then later, later yeah. in the movie, Mark, it grows out of her feet and comes up her legs when she's uh, the yeah. Queen. I I loved that scene. I thought that was a really fun way to kind of set things in motion. Um, but also, I'm still kind of, and maybe this will transition us into what the movie does middle. I'm still kind of on the fence on the visual effects they do for the flowers of the May Queen Oh, dress my God, where they're, like, like, breathing. breathing. There's, yeah. there's one in particular that has, like, the black core. It's, like, pink. I didn't even notice it on my first viewing, but I did on this oh, one. Oh, really? Dude. Pink, black center, and it's, like, full-on, like, blinking like an eyeball <laughs> and, like, looking around. It's crazy. I like I, yeah, That was whole, a bit much. The whole dress is doing that thing. And that one I think particular. I landed on ultimately liking it as a touch, but... There's, what I like about point. it is it's definitely a choice. It's not it's a mistake a choice. they yeah. made. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it gets to, I mean, it, the whole thing is just so whack at the end, man. Like, that's happening. The Wackadoo. food on the table is like desiccated and then it's like undulating and then it looks palatable and then it's desiccated again. If you're in Christian's viewpoint, it's crazy. I'm ready to go to middle because I'm pretty close to, we're pretty close to a point I have it does middle. Yeah, we're Do towing it. the line. Go there. They have, a, he does so much stuff with like identifying one particular character or trying to isolate one particular character as the story goes along that like really works on kind of a visual level. But when you think about it for a second, it breaks down for me. So the best example I can think of this is when Christian is kind of starting, just very starting to be courted by the, the girl of the cult. Uh-huh. And and he's sits down at the table and his cup of whatever they're drinking is so much noticeably darker than every other cup yeah. of what everybody else is drinking. And like I think that's kind of a cool it's it's towing that line between just subtle enough to be like there but definitely noticeable because you want the audience to see it. But then like on any kind of level when I think about it, I'm like, that's where I'm out of this movie. Like cause I'll, I'll be very respectful of cultural beliefs to a point, but if I sit down at a table and my cup is very noticeably a different shade than everyone else's. Ain't no goddamn way I'm drinking that cup. Just there's just no chance. Well, they don't even really. I don't or know, similarly, yeah. at the end when they bring him the the cup when he's watching the May Queen dance, and thing. they're just like, "Drink this," <laughs> and he's like, "No," and they're like, "That's fine, drink it." And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds good." There's just a what lot of it? that. Like, oh, it's a it's a bunch of shit we I found know, and ground not, up that's and put not in how your that water. landed with me. Man, that's not just, how that scene landed with me. Yeah, it, it for me it's just like the the stuff that is supposed to be visually isolating and like thematically isolating is is too much for me to abide from a storytelling perspective. So that's why I put it in does middle. I appreciate it. I like it. It just both ends of that spectrum didn't come together. Yeah. 
So the transition point that I was going to make was like, I really like the disorientation part, but then I think that it has to like categorically has to be in the middle that like an intentionally unsubtle movie like this is still unsubtle. And that yes. is going to impact yep. people in different ways. Absolutely. I, I think it's fucking great. I think it's brilliant. I don't give a shit if you spoil it for me. If you're going to go and do what they do from a visual perspective, do it. I don't give a fuck. That was awesome. <laughs> but it still should be in middle. I agree. I fully agree. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one that I had here was it's along a similar line. But this is an exceptionally uncomfortable movie. And I, I kind of toyed with putting this into the what the movie does right category, but I couldn't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this movie is so, like, it's so uncomfortable. Pretty much all human interaction that takes place in this movie is impossibly straining and hard to deal with. I have this note as well. This is not This is I, not a believable movie for me. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with this. It's going to be in a later... Okay. <laughs> I Well, I feel like this, this is intentional. Like... I, this is kind of one of those almost benefit of the doubt type things because you're, you know, who is making this movie like this is their intent is well, to have so, this be as difficult as it is. When I thought about it, this, I compared it so yeah. much to the triangle because they were looking at kind of the same concept, but with kind of two different skill sets here because in the triangle, like the cult stuff is so beat you over the head with it that it's like and and also it's it's so there's no reason you would have to adhere to it, right? It's just a bunch of white shitheads in the country. I don't care. I will tell them, no, I'm not doing that, and I will leave. In this movie, like, there is a certain amount of cultural respect for something you don't understand. You've got the friend, and also there's an amount of privilege that we have that Florence Pugh's character does not have in terms of she's stuck there with her boyfriend, who she's not Mm -hmm. trusting of very much anyway. But there is still, like, a... I'm I'm just I'm not I'm not sleeping in that same place as them. I'm not taking their weird drugs. I'm not especially after I get the first hint that something's weird. This weekend isn't isn't playing out in the same way for me as it did for all of these characters. I mean, you are also notably not an anthropologist. <laughs> Definitely not. And apparently nor could you ever be one. <laughs> notably <laughs> Danny is not an anthropologist either. No, but she's actually trying to like fit in and get along. I I mean, she's got the anthropologist spirit. Oh. <laughs> okay. Her spirit animal is just an anthropologist. What is like, what is Mark? I I have not Okay, sorry. That's Okay, probably. so can we move on to what the movie does wrong? Let's do it. Yes, please. He's not what the okay. movie Don't tell me this. Uh not not Mark specifically, but to elaborate on your point, there are almost no points in this movie where I consider it even remotely believable that these people would ever associate with each other. They don't. They're, they're not, not friends. friends. They hate each they're other. Not they're not friends. friends. <laughs> this is—is is this the thing where it's like these are the people you meet in grad school, so you associate, you hang out because you have no other choice, and that's your social circle? I made really good friends in grad school, but that might not be the case for everyone. Is that what the situation is? I don't know. Well, but I don't even—I don't think Mark's in that grad school. Program, I don't understand in... what Mark is. <laughs> There's yeah. no fucking way that kid is in grad school, dude. That's the based on based on the scenes you get prior to them leaving, you're given to understand that two of them are in this program. They met Pele as an exchange student. Pele, whatever. I love uh, Pele. Like, just keep saying it, dude. Brazilian and soccer. Then, God. And then whatever. Mark. And then Mark is just like a tag along friend from undergrad or high school or I don't know. He tucks his know. fucking socks over his jeans so he doesn't get ticks. That was actually a nice touch. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. But I, I don't know. It's like once they're, 
I mean, there's there's a certain extent to this happening while they're stateside as well. But once they're in Sweden, like it's it's pretty immersion breaking how bad they are at interacting with themselves, the people yeah. they're studying. They're really the only. I mean, Josh and his interactions with like the elders are really interesting to watch, and Wilhelm uh, Blomgren, who plays Pele. Uh, his interactions with Florence Pugh is are actually pretty good. I think it's just because he's actually like nice. Maybe that's what it is. No one in this movie is fucking nice to anyone else, and I don't like watching that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Except Florence Pugh and a little bit Pele. Yeah, and even then it's basically just because he's grooming her to be probably sacrificed. Uh, here, yeah, I, I fully agree with all of that, Mark. This dude is on some, like, the Americans level of, like cultural infiltration shit for him to be like this normal having grown up in a cult this is this dude is a master spy i kept thinking about like how for him <laughs> to make this good friends with these guys so they could be like on a trip where they want to go hook up with it Swedish seems kind women. of like their thing though right like yeah, they it seems do like this. the men of the village i i don't know maybe i have to go back and look and see it didn't seem like there were very many like college-aged men in the village i think they leave once they turn 18 mm-hmm. And go out into the world and like socialize. It's just so it's I don't for for like there are a number of of things that exist in the world right now that are stories about this kind of like deep cover kind of people. The Americans being the most notable one, and all of those play with like the back and forth on whether there's hesitation if you should do it or not. And this doesn't do any of that. It's just like well, the weird he's thing. a perfect spy from the start yeah. of his life to the end. The weird thing about it, though, is, like, I still am kind of grappling, having seen it twice, with, like, that thought process behind uh, Pele's character, because like, that's effectively what he's doing, is he's going out, and he's making these friends, and he's bringing them back to be sacrificed, but this is also something that happens, like, once every 90 years. Like, he's not some sinister force that they're, like, sending these people out every year, bringing people back and sacrificing them. Like, that is a recipe to get got caught immediately, which we'll talk about certain questions that I have in the in the (laughs) aftermath of this film later. But like this is not a normal thing. The last time this happened was ninety fucking years ago. So like I think to a certain degree, like this is still new for him, but this is literally one of the interesting things to me was like this is their culture and it's just really weird but it's all it's such a fine line of trust they have in him where they like him enough to be like i'll come to your culture that i do not understand and i'll be a part of your festival and i get to act like a jackass and you tell me what is and isn't okay but i'm also going to adhere to the rules and sleep in this communal room with a fucking baby in it instead of a tent outside of it which is also something i can't fathom Respect in the culture, man. You can't sleep in tents. tents like, are I, I certainly respect other cultures and would do a tremendous amount of this stuff, but there are so many things in this movie that's like, that's going to be a hard no from me, guy, and if that's too <laughs> offensive to you, that's okay. I apologize. I'm the asshole. I will excuse myself. Thank you. I'm going to walk back to wherever I need to walk back to. And there's and so if much you'll like, excuse yeah, me. I'll drink. I'll drink this weird cup full of pulp. Just just the fact that it's so much pulp. I'm not a pulp guy. And so I'm, really? I'm good. You're not a pulp guy? You're no, going no, OJ I'm not a pulp without, guy either. You're going OJ savage. Sands pulp? 
Sans yes, pulp. I'm, I'm going. A- I have to have two OJs, man. There's OJs that you use for mimosas, which is no pulp, and you barely use any of it, so it's like good for as long as it can be good for. This and then is you got to the- have like hard pulp on the normal drink. This is OJ. the thinking of a stone cold maniac right here. The fact <laughs> you that have two OJs. Splitting. You have two. You have two bottles of orange juice in your fridge. That's at all why times. they make both kinds. You also slept on a have- waterbed in high school, Jake. I'm not. I'm just putting together a lot of different pieces about how fucking weird you are. I'm a ravenous <laughs> hippie, Jack. Behind your beer collection that you have in your basement, do you happen to have a stash of, like, I don't know, two dozen mannequins? I am not at liberty to discuss that on <laughs> okay, this podcast. What I thought, what I thought you might say. Oh, shit. Um, okay, while we're in the movie does wrong, this movie is overindulgent and gratuitous as fuck. Ari Aster oh. did a lot of beautiful things. Boy, this is such a pretentious fucking movie. And then this movie, he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going full bore into this shit. And... For me, and a lot of them are beautiful, but a lot of them are the one where it's just like the upside down shot of them driving into the compound serves yeah. no visual touring me. It's just like, hey, look, I have a cool shot. I'm going to throw it in here for 18 seconds. This movie's really not long enough. pretentious movie, dude. It's so pretentious. It's and it's really one thing to movie. do the the fresco at the beginning that has the entire plot of the movie on it, but it's another thing to do that fresco three or four more times scattered the throughout the rest of the movie. Fresco. <laughs> One time just on like a piece of laundry hanging up. <laughs> After which they, they walked past a bear in a cage and he said, we're not going to worry about that bear. And they kept walking. I'm, I'm, that's that not was even actually, a that's one of those. This I, Okay. We're going to get to that in like nitpick, <laughs> Don't worry neat, about the bear. nitpick station, nitpick, nitpick station. But like some of the way in which they handle some of these things from a dialogue perspective is hilarious it's where he's so like, we're not going to say anything about the bear. And he's like, it's a bear. And that's what, that's what I'm talking about with the, like their relationship with him. I can't imagine being good enough friends with someone to be able to like ask about a random bear in a cage in the middle of a field, but then not follow up when he says, we're not going to worry about that. Cause like anybody yeah, I'm that good like, friends what? with, I'm like, no, stop. Explain everything about how about why there's a bear in a cage. Yeah. yeah. Why did you buy it? Where did you buy it? How did you transport it here? Who built the cage? What's it for? I need to well, know here's... a lot more about this bear. Jack, the answer to those questions are like, it's it's Sweden. There are bears here. We captured it. We built a cage and captured it. It wandered in and we shut it. Why only one? Why isn't it a bigger cage? Why are you torturing it? I have so... That doesn't make sense either. I have so many questions. If you love We're nature... not torturing it. We're teaching it to ride a unicycle. <laughs> See, that's all they needed. That line well, of dialogue. I mean, he could have also said, like, we're that's going. That's in the deleted scenes. He could have also <laughs> said, like, we're going to sacrifice it. Like, it, it, there's such a weird. I, it, it's an uncomfortable movie, and they choose and choose not to discuss things in weird ways. Like, I forget what the name of the, uh, like, elder people suicide is called. But he says what they're going to do, and Josh gets it, and he's like, oh, fuck. And then there's a whole comedic scene about how they're he's, like, not telling them what the they're upon. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's not taboo to discuss these things. People are just choosing not to do it, which is fucking weird. He also says, I should have done a better job explaining it to you. It's like, yeah, or you should have done any job explaining it to them. Well, he mentions it, and then Josh is, like, trying to be his, this coy but then, dickhead. But then why is Josh so upset by it? Or, well, and this Josh, is the same thing with that when, when well, seeing Pele someone is dis- die like that. When Pele is describing the seasons of, of life or whatever, and the guys, they, they follow up with the question of like, so what happens when you turn 72? And he literally is just like, yeah. yeah. But that, that one you can't <laughs> also answer. take as a joke. Like, that one works. That part works for me. 
Well, but he's also being serious. I know he is. No, no, that but and you that don't know it. That I mean, you know, because it's a cult movie, but you don't know. And I like that interaction. Movie. The interaction don't I don't like is afterwards, where he's apologizing to them. He's like, "I should have explained to you more about what was going to happen." At that point, I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, you, you think? Jesus, you fucking jackass!" Okay, we got to talk about more of the things that this movie does wrong. So obviously, this movie drags <sighs> to a certain degree. <laughs> when you're two hours, like, look it. It doesn't feel like it's two hour and forty minute forty minute runtime, but the movie. But it doesn't feel like a tight ninety. The movie's not <laughs> a tight ninety, and it's and it's the the just the the flow, the story, the subject matter. It's all kind of your slow burn stuff. Like this is not a mile a minute thrill ride. Like it drags. This is going to be super alienating for some people. And I hope he's refining this skill because there are parts of it that are necessary for it to show you a very boring shot of someone walking down a field from far away. Like part of that does establish the tone of the film. But then there's parts of it where like when she's about to get in the carriage to ride away, that's two minutes. That's a two minute scene of no- of nothing happening other than Danny walking towards this carriage. And I don't need that full two fucking minutes to show me that. So I think especially he- because I wouldn't you thematically want I, I get, like you're saying, I get the lengthened shots at the beginning of the movie, but then once you're, like, approaching the climax, wouldn't you deliberately want to shorten those scenes? I to, would like, think so, and I think Ari Aster's good at it and gets it. I just hope he's going to refine it, because not all of this was necessary for the tone. You should write him a letter. <laughs> write him a missive, actually. Make Write him the most, do it in the most pretentious style. You'll have the highest Well, I mean, you'll see it. Do it in do it in the old runic style. Like, definitely don't write it in English. I'll need to get a feather pen and some ink, and I'll do it by my gas lamp. I did think uh, we're not there yet. Puck. <laughs> what else does this movie do wrong? I don't have anything else done hard wrong. I'm ready for. Yeah, I think we. I think we are there, Jake. Why I'm don't not, you go ahead? And... I'm not yet. Actually, oh, okay. I'm okay. not. I'm sorry. I. This might be divisive, but I'm interested to see what you guys think about this. I, in second viewing, I think that the setup is poor. And kind of mean in this movie. Like, this is an exploration. They set this up to be an exploration in, like, what you do, like, how you respond to a tragedy. Wow. Uh, (laughs) And how you handle grief. And they, I felt in watching it this time, like, they kind of just did that to get you to identify quickly with Danny's character. And then they didn't do much to explore that later. Like this is much more, there were two things in this movie. There was grief and how you handle it. And then there was like the toxic relationship and that thing. And this was much stronger in the second than it was I, the former. I agree. Yeah. Unlike hereditary, which was a full exploration of that grief and how it affects people and how people react to it. This one's just like, yeah, Hey, that's a thing that happened. Now there's a whole other thing happening. That's well, a good I, point. I just thought like when I watched it this time, knowing what I knew from like the first time and how I felt about it, I, really didn't like it because it felt like kind of a like nut shot type way to get you to identify or care for Danny's character. Yeah, it, it's and like it, it works, but it go feels back. exploitative. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe they watched Changeling and they were like, you know what? I like how unimportant the family at the beginning was, but that they still <laughs> included it. I fucking They it. do do I don't know. I hated it this time. I no, I I actually completely agree. There are a lot of elements of this story that I feel like are just sort of dissociated and loose. And in a way, I sort of appreciate that because that's how life is, but also yeah, exactly your point is this isn't life, this is a movie and you could have edited out a substantial amount of this. It also feels a little bit like he learned some skills on how to get an audience to go along with you from Hereditary. It's just like, well, I'm going to use those. I'll get the audience in and then I'm going to do a whole other thing to them what I want to do with my weird art stuff. 
Sure. I guess to to play devil's advocate here a little bit, I do like that they bring the imagery of the scene back later on in like flashbacks when Danny's having breakdowns and stuff. It's cool. She'll I mean, that's her, the service yeah. that it ends up providing, which still yeah. is cool, like the nightmare thing. And then when she's the May Queen and she sees like her parents like walking past her. Yeah, that part's fucking weird. I, that, that one did kind of like blow my mind. I was like, oh shit, that's a weird. It is uh, very strange. Yeah. yeah. I don't like this. I should stop taking so many drugs. Did you see like her fi- sister's face in the trees? Oh yeah. No. Yep. Did you see her sister Maybe. in the mirror behind her when she was tripping first? Yes. Dude, it's actually one of the scenes yeah. that got me the most. This There's maybe- so many little things, dude. It's fucking crazy. That is one area where watching it twice like helps you because you see these so many more. Like, There's so many Easter eggs. It's fucking nuts. Easter eggs the- is probably the wrong term. I had this as a neat pick. Maybe it should have just been something the movie does hard right, but this is the best representation of a panic attack I've ever seen put on film. Like this one, like as a, I get panic attacks. Like This movie, more than any other, was like, yeah, that's how it feels. Like, Which one? Is- the one when she's tripping? Uh, not the, the one, the, a little bit when she's tripping, but moreover, the one after she looks through the keyhole and sees her, sees Christian Oh, and then she pukes, sex, and, and then, then she, she like, has, has hyperventilates. And that whole panic attack is, like, exactly what it feels like, and, like, also is an example of, like, and also then, once you are already stressed out about having a panic attack, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And let's show people that when you're having a panic attack. It's just like, oh, God. <laughs> that was very affecting. Toot toot, Mark. <laughs> nitpick station. Uh, my first nitpick is with Amazon's trivia. Not with the movie <laughs> itself, but with Amazon trivia. I, I have not indulged in this. I accidentally this moved my mouse at one point, and Amazon trivia popped up and said, Will Poulter says this movie is better than Hereditary. Yeah, no fucking shit. You think you the movie he's in, he likes better than Hereditary? <laughs> the fuck, Amazon Trivia? Are you kidding me? So stupid. That is weird. And then Amazon Trivia also spoils this movie entirely, by the way. So it talks the first one second. But it talks, no, but, but it, it genuinely <laughs> talks about, like, the people they sacrifice and the sacrifices that happen before anybody's sacrificed. Like, the Amazon Trivia See, now, to, ruins this fucking To bring movie. this... To bring this full circle, what it should do is if you bring up Amazon Trivia in that first second, it just says, this is the ending of the movie. That'd be amazing. (laughs) Trivia, this is the entire story. (laughs) This thing we're showing you in one second, that's going to take us 160 minutes to tell you. Um, Also then, when he figures out, he like hears Josh say Atsupan, right? And he Googles it, which... First off, if you want to do your thesis on this culture, you should probably have already heard the term Atsupan before. He, that I mean, he's like, such a fucking fraud. He's so stupid. <laughs> but then, like, it, it, yeah, he Googles, he starts to type in Atsupan. His phone autocorrects Atsupan to the proper spelling and then tells him, you're offline, no search results could be produced. Was, that would <laughs> well, then you can't autocorrect it to the right fucking spelling. Unless he's spelled it before. If he's already done it. I mean, that's po- that is that is. But then he won't have to Google it. He might, dude. I forget shit on the fucking reg, Jack. <laughs> it's a, it's a drunken recall thing. Okay, yeah. it's a state state dependent learning. He learned about Otsapon and writ, wrote about Otsapon extensively whilst sauced, and <laughs> now he's sober and doesn't know any of it. It's like my law practice, you know. I learned it all while drunk, and I can only perform well in the courtroom after a few shots. Objection, Your Honor. I'm sober. Sustained. <laughs> Um, they're not gonna be able to like cover this up. There were like four Americans, three, four, three Americans, and 
two British that two were Brightons. fucking murdered here. Which they're and, gonna figure it out. Like, and, and this shouldn't easily. be how crimes get solved, but it is. All of these people that were there were rich enough to like go to grad school and live very comfortable, privileged lives. Totally. Like, like those are the people is, that get found. This is like the most traceable thing. I mean, this is kind of like it's also. I don't know. It's it's a nitpick. It's not what the movie does wrong because like this is something that happens every ninety years. Like ninety years ago, you could probably gotten away with this shit. Just find some people and sacrifice them. Like whatever. <laughs> this time, not gonna happen. Donnie's gonna send in the fucking troops, man. This is over. You're telling me. Hold on. You're telling me that there isn't a th- forgetting about Danny as a loose end for a second. You're you're not thinking that the police force will show up and they'll be like, oh my God, there was this horrible tragedy. We were hosting a beautiful banquet for Midsommar and four of our people and four of their people were in there and they were preparing this in our sacred chapel and something caught on fire and, and burnt they the burned fuck in down. a fire. They burned up in a, burned fire, a fire, just just like Pele's parents, yeah, Mark, right? Mark, I mean, that's probably what the, they're going to claim. You're asking the local authorities to just ignore nine homicides that occurred here. Like whatever well, happened, not, you ignore know, it's them. Actually, just like, classify this is, them as a as a tragic death as part. This of This is their way festival. out. They could say, yeah, they could say like we're having our annual midsummer festival. All these people were in like this building. Look at it; it fucking burned down and killed them all. Oh my god! Here we are reporting, and it. we like, have very sophisticated arson investigations that happened on terms. Of, this was built to be burned down. This is and in that was Sweden, dude. This is in Sweden. I think the Swedish police are probably even more advanced. I am well, certain of it. <laughs> Midsommar 2 will be basically season four of True Detective. Please, God, no. Uh, was there a third, the season? The Wait, was there a third season of there. True Detective? Yeah. Yeah, Jack. Season three was uh, Mahershala. You might be forgetting oh. that season two was the one with Vince Vaughn. Everyone hates that one. Yeah, I, I really I kind of forgot there was. Yeah, I, I, told, I remember the Vince Vaughn one. I remember it sucked, and I didn't watch beyond that. Yeah, okay. So there you go. It would be season four. Up in up in Svansk. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Hey, that ancestor tree is too small a tree. That tree's been there for fewer than ten years. A tree of that size—that is a very narrow downed tree. We have well, all also seen- like what can you do? Even if it was a big tree, like it's a fucking redwood, California redwood, huge tree. Right. Gonna get. It's gonna, it's gonna decay. It's gonna yeah, absolutely. It's a harsh that, environment, Sweden. That tree was felled less than a year ago. <laughs> Their I, ancestor some, tree. Something's gonna pee on it. <laughs> Might oh, be a bear. I, dude, there's so many fucking like raccoons and minks and shit peeing on that fucking thing. So many. <laughs> it's just, but also like that's the that's another part where like I'm gonna be try to be as respectful for your culture as I can. But if you tell me that's an ancestor tree, I'm going to tell you that's been on the ground for less than a year. Your ancestor tree is less than a year old. Your culture has dumb, fake traditions. Maybe they yeah, maybe they like take every tree. Jack, for, here's a fan theory. First thunderstorm of the year, the tree that is felled, they pick up and place in the traditional ancestor tree zone. And if they told me that, that'd be cool, but I'm going to have to ask them about it. Director's director's cut. Yeah, for for a band of dudes who are doing their collective thesis on this group of people, they do not ask enough questions. They are wildly inattentive to what's they have happening. No concept of how <laughs> they they're they're like stumbling questions. ass backwards into their fucking theses. Like what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have a neat pick. Go for it. They reference the Strasbourg dancing plague. Which is yeah, amazing. I yeah. love the Strasbourg dancing plague and that we still don't really know what happened, but it was we know that it was we very much think it was a real thing. I and 
it's so weird. Not enough things reference how weird that fucking thing it's is. It's probably fake news, Jack. What, 1518? It's fucking nuts. And I love that they just go for it. They're like, here's what it is. <laughs> it was drugs. It was, yeah. It was uh, moldy bread. And then they just felt like dancing. <laughs> uh, actually, to to get back a little bit to the ancestor tree, do they not have outhouses? I'm still a little confused. I mean, I guess where was he supposed people... to be? Right. No, they had they had to. They had. I mean, they have everything else. They like, drink they... and do so much drugs that they need readily available bathrooms if they don't want shit yeah, everywhere. They have, dude, they definitely have them. And maybe this is just a neat pick. Then I think I'm changing this to a neat pick. That it's an aspect of Mark Poulter's character that he will walk past an outhouse so that he can be the guy who pees on a tree instead. Which look, which I've done at campsites a number of times. Outhouses often smell terrible up in the mountains, but the woods <laughs> smell good. <laughs> uh, hey, while we're talking about uh, Mark's fucking weirdness. Isn't he the one who spots the when he pulls the pube when Christian pulls the pube out of the drink? Mark is like four seats away, sees a tiny little hair, and he's like, that's a pube. <laughs> I got it. That- Dude, you have a pube in there. It's not just a hair. That's a pube. <laughs> I know. I know from though, pubes. <laughs> that's yeah. his character. That kind of gets me to a neat pick with that. I was mentioning earlier delivery with some of the comedic relief efforts in this movie. So like the, like, why is there a bear here? It's a bear. It's like, what kind of a response is that? But it's also hilarious and stupid. And then similarly, when Christian is asked when he's like summoned to the elder like kind of matriarch's cabin later in the movie and he's proposed like look you're an ideal biological match she wants to have sex with you and like foster whatever the child like what say you he's like i think i ate one of her pubic hairs and her response immediate (laughs) to cut is i am in stitches dude it she goes that sounds right. It's <laughs> so good. That sounds about right. Line of the movie. Oh, it's fuck. so good, but you have to see it in context. It's so fucking Here, funny. Here's another yeah, nitpick with thing. Christian's character in that scene, though. I, he's not made out to be like a, a not faithful, just tremendous dickhead. I'm trying to. So so then he wants to Jack, fuck her. Jack, Fine. I, have a, I had a question about this for yeah, the legal okay. corner. Christian yeah. got Christian got raped, dude. Yes, he absolutely yes. did. Yes, he got raped, humiliated, and murdered. <laughs> yeah, I'm also trying to fathom. So un- unquestionably, he got raped. That's horrible. If on a personal level, I'm trying to imagine the combination of drugs that would allow me to perform in front of a circle of nude old women. I, I mean, these like, are strictly psychedelics. I, it's like rohypnol and uh, anything for erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, they did. I mean, when that one, it's the same woman that it eventually, like when he comes to after the blood eagle scene, she's like, Okay, so you're paralyzed and you can't talk. Cool? Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's certainly no amount of alcohol that could get me there, right? Or no, they the amount of alcohol that exists, movie, I'm man. unconscious at that point or unable to achieve an erection. I mean, that's like a beer at this point for me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, obviously none of this is happening to me because I do a half a hit of pot and I'm fucking lock myself in a closet with a knife. Yeah, I think they they have some Swedish herbs that they blow in your face and they make you virile and uh, willing. She yeah okay. Anyway, so back to the point when she gave Zombie him drug. the cup during the May Queen Maypole dance, uh, she was like, she was kind of like 
he's like, what does it do? And she was like, it'll, you know, reduce your inhibitions and rah. So it's like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like Viagra and sort of psychedelic alcoholic <laughs> substance. I don't know. Something that makes you suggestible. Oh, fuck. Precisely. What else yep. we got? I just had one musing. I, I didn't really have that many uh, actual nip. The, the thing about the nitpicks that I all had written down in this is that they were almost immediately answered within the context of the movie shortly thereafter. That's so great. My nitpick section is. Um, Can you give an example of that? Why not just make spring like twenty-two years instead of eighteen years? Okay. You know why not? Why not die when you're eighty-eight right. instead of seventy-two? Yeah, that seems better. Yeah. Stuff like that. And uh, I had a nitpick with the way that I thought they were just going to kill off the second person who jumped off the cliff without any extra hammering. Um, and I was my nitpick was like, wow, why would you go feet first? That's just a fucking bad move. And then there's like a whole other, the scene continues. <laughs> and they I mean, no, I think I don't agree with that one. That's still a nitpick. I like, have a whole, why did he have to do it that way? I have a whole yeah. bunch of nitpicks about Christian's character of just him being unattentive and not like your girlfriend is clearly uncomfortable. Maybe push to sleep outside of this weird house with a baby in it where everybody's fucking Oh God! And then, then it brings me back. Go back and sleep in the rental car. Th- yeah. Then it brings me back around to the friendship between Josh and Christian, where like you got to go way back. Uh, guys, I promise both of you this: if we're sleeping in some weird cult commune's giant house, and I see one of them put something under one of your beds, I'm definitely gonna tell you guys about it. I'm gonna be like, hey, guess who put something under your bed last night? I'm not just gonna sit on that shit and not know. Yeah, they're fucking. They're weird, man. The interactions are baffling. Yeah. Um. I think you can just chalk a lot of things up to just drugs. Just just drugs. They get drugged, and therefore they act weird. <laughs> That's the in-universe explanation for that. Christian def- should have not... Danny should not have been here. <laughs> Definitely not. Because they <laughs> should have broken up. Yep. Because he is spineless, is why they didn't. And he's an asshole. He sucks. I he, that's a that's a bum hand to be dealt, man. I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far. He sucks. The, you can't. Just, he sucks. Just, no, I agree with you, Mark. Like it's a hard thing, but it's still self interest, which is what eight like kind of divides you from him as the viewer. You're like, fuck. It's like a tough thing, but he, the way they save that sort of is like he's having the conversation with the guys about how he should have broken up with her like eons ago when he gets the call. Yeah. So he's just a fucking dick. Yeah, he sucks. He's just he's maintaining the relationship because he's trying to get what he wants out of it and he's too spineless to end it even though it's not giving him what he wants and then therefore it's tearing her apart. Jake, you're not doing a very good job of being a Christian apologist. <laughs> I feel like I'm I feel like I'm alone on this team. I still no, I still am. He got way harder than he deserved. He's not like an an all-out antagonist. I think he's much more complex than that. <laughs> I'd pick him. I'd pick him to die to at be, the end uh, of that. I'd pick him to be one of the guys who died. Uh, let's talk about their stupid rolly machine, their bingo, their 1970s <laughs> bingo machine. Why is it. that the method they created? I don't know, but you know what? Everyone having their own rune is fucking sick. <laughs> How many possible runes can there be? There's not enough runes to be the 72 people that are in that. I don't there. know. And then do you repeat runes when these people jump off cliffs? Does like someone else who's born get the new, get their rune? Like, how does it you work? Know, Actually, come to think of it, there would be 144 people in this village, right? Because you'd have to, if you have two people that die every year, then you'd have to have two of that many. Is people. that how that works? I don't think I don't it's know, constant. Re- I don't think it's constant. If, but the but part of it is that they get reincarnated as the people who were born. The That's next not going to so be if a, you no, have no, an equal number of people. They're not. No, they don't get reincarnated as the people who are born. They get reincarnated to the next stage of existence. That I thought that was the so after the the 
cliff scene one of the elders is talking to them of like they gave their lives and then this child who will be born next month will get her spirit or whatever i thought they could just, they just literally mean to the next level know. or whatever I don't, I don't know about religion i don't know that's it's all bullshit i have a nitpick with their religion ah <laughs> nitpick with all religion um this movie did this was a weird one for me this movie had a weirdly like wes anderson vibe to it at points and like ari aster has a very specific visual style but it was crossing a line into wes anderson throughout a substantial chunk of this movie and i was like i really hope bill murray or edward norton are just gonna like hop out of one of these tents (laughs) if bill murray was an elder of this village bill murray comes out shirtless holding an axe and having a bottle of whiskey in his hand (laughs) Exactly. As like the Swedish ranger, like the forest ranger that's just swinging by. <laughs> so you did, I would have 100% bought that. And I would just been like, this scene guest directed by Wes Anderson. You did raise another nitpick, which there, I think for the most part, it's handled okay. But there are definitely scenes primarily like at the end when there's no one who's an outsider left. They don't need to be speaking in fucking in English. English. Or when, and yeah, when Pele is greeted by his brother. Yeah, and, and what's infuriating about that English. is that they go, like, they, they clearly show you that they're willing to just, like, have people speaking in Swedish at times, not even, like, caring, like, sometimes it's, like, left to contextual clues. That's like, just my, have speak in Swedish when it makes that's sense. That's my last fucking nitpick. Swedish. Sometimes he doesn't do subtitles. I think when you're supposed to be disoriented as the viewer. But he does subtitles way too much, and it's like just yeah, do it or don't do it. I don't. I well, hate and then this. don't do English at times. That it doesn't make any fucking sense to do English. Yep, yep. Feels a little handholdy. Yeah, that's all I got. I had a little bit of a. I had a little bit of amusing, which was that you've had a lot of th- music tonight, Mark. This was my only main muse. This was my pr- my musing. This movie prime. is Mark's muse. <laughs> okay, so at the end, Christian is paralyzed. Sitting on a bale of hay, sewn into a bear, with surrounded by friends and strangers like in the Swedish countryside in a barn that's burning down. And I just want to know if his final thoughts were like, yeah, this is how I always knew it was going to end. What? (laughs) No, they weren't. No one's thoughts are that. Have you had thoughts like that? Like, what kind of a weird thought did you have? How many thoughts I know, have you had? I'm just saying, had? like, how... Do you ever... I mean... Wow, it's hard to get into this without getting dark, but, like, there... <laughs> if... There are a few ways that, like, you would die in such a fucking crazy way that, honestly, like, the last thought that goes through my brain, if oh. I die in a way similar to this, I'd be like... Okay, you win, universe. This one I did not see coming. I often think that my last words are going to be, no, no, wait, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I guess that joke didn't land as much as no, I thought No, I was love going it, man. To. I would love, like, cosmic humor like that is kind of, like, I would prefer you, that you to, You wanted, like, like oh, a you... knowing wink from him, like, about, oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> come <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Or like, really? Like, just acknowledgement that dying in a crazy way is way better than like, oh, you died of dementia at eighty three. It's like, who fucking like what? (laughs) Yeah, see, that's that's one of the ones where I'd be like, see, universe, I knew this was gonna happen. But sewn into a bear costume, burned to death in the Swedish countryside. That one's a new one. I hadn't seen that before. That's all I'm saying. Although that was my music. Although I'll tell you what, if I put up with. The three days of cult shit they put up with and being poured drinks of a different color and a bunch of weird ass psychogenic tea with pulp. That's about how I'd expect to die at that point. I'd be it'd be it'd be more on the taxi ride out of there. I'd be like, I'm really surprised I didn't die sewn into a bearskin, <laughs> paralyzed in a burning temple. 
<laughs> that seems like a much more logical outcome. Which is a thought I've had before. Like, I'm really surprised I didn't die in a very strange way and in that situation. Speaking of, like, one last night, I don't know, it's just a pick, I guess. Does not give a fuck and goes hard at just recreating shit from Wicker Man in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spare <laughs> suit and everything. Spare suit and everything, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine because ultimately it's more impactful. Rating spoilers. <laughs> All right. Which we it, need it to get to now. Uh... I'm taking us there. We're going to ratings. Oh. We overdated the horror. Use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think about the Turbo Team. We'd rate running if you're not a part of the Turbo Team. But when you try and jump in, they yell at you and they say, You're not part of the Turbo Team! Don't run! You don't run with us! We're the ones who run! Until you're part of this Turbo Team, walk slowly! And for 10, think about Barney would rate suits. Girls will go and girls will come, but there's only one absolute. Every bro on the go needs to know that there's no accepted substitute. I'm sorry, suits, let's make amends. My Sunday best are my best friends. Star is the first guy to rate this movie. Jake, your pick, your story rating. Gave it a six and a half. Um, this has kind of been done before. I just mentioned it with the Wicker Man thing. Like, we've seen a movie that is very similar to this several times as horror fans. What this does is it paints, I think, it, we didn't mention this. I, I think I mentioned it when I gave this my movie of the year score. I think this is a really good companion piece to Hereditary in terms of, like, what it's bringing to the table. And I'm not giving it a boost in the story category for that, but how it's bringing to the table, in this case, the relationship element, and then how it contextualizes that around the cult and the trip to this is quite nice. But ultimately, like, look, this is still a story that we've seen before, and it doesn't go out of its way to make itself better. And there are some problems. So, middling I agree. Better than average. Yeah, I give it a six as well. Uh, or I gave it a six uh, versus you or six and a half. I, I feel very, very similarly. It is, it is a fairly simple story. I love the folklore elements that that did inspire it. I think that's all well done. But there are some character writing issues that I can't help but put into this category. Mark, I went with six as well. We're all in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really have much to add here. This is almost like a pure volume based score. They put it, I mean, it's almost impossible to not have, I guess Nightbreed would be a direct, oh, real quick, I want to I, I know what I gave Nightbreed. I gave Nightbreed a three. Okay, so that movie <laughs> was like two and a half hours long and had a shitty story. So I guess it is possible. Um, but yeah, this movie is mostly a mess as far as like the character writing goes. But I mean, if you overall, flop like alien hippies for like, like traditional cultists, this is the triangle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. So let's move on to uh, all these movies we're discussing are my picks. I know. Yeah, I like them. You like Triangle, Nightbreed, uh, this? Oh, Nightbreed. Yeah, I did, for, for the record, I did not like Nightbreed. That movie I didn't sucks. like Nightbreed either. <laughs> let's go on to World Building Immersion. Jake, what is your fine. World Building and Immersion score? This is an interesting one because the world that they build is fucking sublime. incredible. It's sublime, yep. Like, it's it's about as good as you could get. The immersion is also pretty good in some regards. However, 
you have what I mentioned in the middle category, which is like, this is kind of a tough one to watch character interactions in, and it's two hours and 40 fucking minutes long. I gave this an eight. So I, I basically ended up like, if we want to think about it this way, I lopped off a point for each of those two major qualms that I had with it. But this, like we said earlier too, this didn't feel like a two hour and a 30, 40 minute movie. It felt shorter than that. And that should be mentioned again. And it's just an all out powerhouse when it comes to the world that it builds. So it's hard to go low. Yeah. I give it a nine. Uh, I mean, on, on the scale of longest movies versus most immersive movies, this is at the absolute peak. This is the, the zenith, the nadir. This is as high as it gets on the intersection of those two points. There will never be a movie that's this long, that's longer. You know what I mean? Uh, you're and using terminology equated with the sun. Most of it is at Midsommar. Exactly. Most of it is Florence Pugh's performance. And the character interactions, while they are a little bit wonky, aren't wonky when you look at it from Florence Pugh's perspective, right? And there's a certain amount of privilege that we have as men and white men in this situation that she wouldn't have. And she'd be a little bit more in danger and a little bit more vulnerable. So that was even a little bit more immersive to me and the character flaws aren't from her perspective which is the like protagonist so super super immersive it's not perfect but it's damn near perfect it's a nine for me and the world they build is sublime mark i kind of like going last because i don't have to say anything i gave it a seven um and it's kind of in the same vein as what everyone's been saying world building pretty incredible they actually built all these buildings they they did all the artwork and all that shit for this movie stellar job there the only thing I'm knocking it really for is that throughout the length of the movie, I don't really buy that these people could come to be in this situation purely because they <laughs> dislike each other and would never go on this trip They're in the first not place. Actually, friends, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's that was the main immersion breaking thing. But fair seven's enough, seven's still a pretty high score. That's gonna take us into scare factor, Jake. Yeah. Higher than I anticipated it would be when I went into this as a second viewing. I like I re- it stuck with me, and I wanted to watch it again. I wanted to see how it hit me. Hit me about the same, so no surprises there. But these there's a handful of these cult based movies that fuck me up, man. They fuck me up. I don't know what it is about them. I don't like seeing the brutality and all of that. It just bothers me in a really weird, visceral way. And there's something to be said for that. Probably. Super subjective, but it still hit me hard, so I gave it a seven. I gave it a six. Yeah, I mean, this movie does a lot of really uncomfortable stuff that really works well. There's like a cult where they're nice enough, but also super creepy, but they're not so creepy that you like couldn't imagine being there for more than a second, which is a problem with some of these cult movies. Um, also, there's one of the more disturbing representations of a panic attack on screen I've seen, and one that's like, and when you're having a panic attack, what's the worst possible thing you could imagine? Everybody around you, like, mocking you, doing the exact same thing you're doing <laughs> on the ground. Like, there's nothing worse that could happen during that. That was wildly yeah. affecting. Also, I don't the- know why this just popped in my brain, and I won't take long because of how far we are into this episode, but it didn't come up in the episode, it, like, during the episode, uh inbreeding intentionally inbreeding someone for the purpose of being an oracle is super fucked up really fucked up this is a lot of really conceptually fucked up stuff too we never talked about that at all yeah we never yeah we never talked about that that is one of the other things that could be completely written out of this movie and make it better i I think they could have easily gotten rid of it but i just told you it's super fucked up so it is disturbing movie's disturbing i gave it a six mark uh jack you and i same same score 
virtually the same reason. The panic attack thing didn't do as what it did for you that it did for me, but I still gave it a six. This is a mysterious movie, but not one that is that has that many like lingering, disturbing scenes, but the ones that are there will probably stick to you for a while. Yep. Aster is getting very, very good at shooting decapitated bodies. <laughs> so you'll always have that in all of his movies. And I can't wait for the third one that is four hours long and has at least three different decapitated oh my body God. shots. Effects or judicious lack thereof is our penultimate category. Jake? Ten. Woof! This movie's amazing. This is a technical he, powerhouse. He broke the seal, and now he's just giving them out willy-nilly. <laughs> no, I'm not. This like is candy. like, they're, they're, like uh, when I look back to last year, it wasn't the most stellar year for horror, but this movie was my number one. And when I look back to why that was, especially on second viewing, I said this was going to come up at some point. Technically, this movie is unbelievable. Like, th- what we see here Literally on display flawless. from... It's near. It's flaw. It is. I'm gonna put it flawless. Like we've seen a lot of movies on this voyage that we've been on, and from a cinematography perspective, from a props perspective, from a costuming perspective, every single thing. I mean, sound. Everything they did in terms of like Mark, you were talking about the energy that it imbued with. Like a lot of that being just like music that's happening diegetically in the background. This movie (laughs) is. Ex- extremely specific, but extremely incredible technically, and I think that it deserves a perfect score for this category. Jake, I give it a ten too, buddy. I'm right there with you. I can't fault yeah. it for anything it did from an effects standpoint. The the even the, the the problems I have with it visually are artistic choices it made and not mistakes it made. Uh, I didn't mention the gore. The gore is disturbing. Too. It's that fucking fantastic. Helps. Yeah, it's great. It's a ten, Mark. I gave it a nine, and now I feel like I have to defend going lower. Than a <laughs> yeah, why didn't you give it a ten? I mean, that's that's I, interesting. So, like, what was your thought process? I wanted to go really high. I just didn't think it was the. I don't know if it. I I think it wasn't pushing doing boundaries. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, and it's the a ways long that movie it, that's slow burning, and the way that it pushed the boundaries. I mean, the the biggest like use of effects I would say was in individually animating each and every one of the flowers on the May Queen dress. And it's a cool choice that I kind of ended up on the side of the fence that liked it, but also it's a bit weird. Yeah, I'm with you. And isn't going to be like universally acclaimed. I would also say that while I liked the psychedelic effects of them like looking at the bark on the tree and it like having colors and shit run through it, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how well that will stand up in five years. I'm interested about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to take us into overall, boys. Jake, what is your overall score? I gave it an eight and a half. I really like this movie. I this is, I'll say this now because I haven't yet. This movie is one of those that I think on second viewing now, knowing what I know, having seen it twice, I respect this movie like in- immensely. I don't know how much I love it. But it's deserving of a high score. I mean, a lot. Yeah, you love it a lot. You wanted to watch it again. <laughs> well, I was. I wanted to pick it for like the purpose of seeing it again. I've now seen it again, and like this is this isn't like an enjoyable. I I don't come out the other end of this feeling good. I come out the other end of it feeling like shit. But that's okay sometimes. I this is a good horror movie, and that's worth celebrating. However, I think that. Like we've talked about, there are a lot of things about this that are going to 
alienate the audience. Like, this is a much more polarizing movie than Hereditary was. It's a high score for me. It's an eight and a half. But it kind of comes with a little bit of a bullet, which we'll talk about in the next category. I agree. I gave it an eight. Uh, I think I think it's great. I think it's pretentious. I think it's overindulgent. And I still think it's great. It's, it's a fantastic film. Mark. Uh, we're trending downward. I gave it a seven, but I still kind of agree with you guys. This is an, an objectively good movie. I, I am interested. I, what you brought up earlier, Jake, that there are things you pick up on, on the second viewing. I thought was interesting because what I wrote down as soon as I was done with the movie was I enjoyed this. I will probably never watch it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I am, I I would be tempted to upwardly correct my score a little bit based on a rewatch factor, but this just struck me as one that like I've seen it. I don't need to see it again. And I had an interesting, so I watched it thought like, uh, gut punch. A couple days later, it's still sticking with me. I'm remembering like all of the layers that it had and how dense it is. And I'm like, I need to watch this again. Watch it again. And ultimately, the side that I think I came out on was basically trending downward. Like watching it again, I'm happy that I did because I picked up on like little things which are there in abundance that I think would require a couple of viewings just to see them because it's so dense in that regard. But at the same time, like, holistically as a movie, as an experience, I don't know that I'm better off having watched it twice than I am as a single viewer. I guess I also find it interesting that you're describing this one as dense because I did, Super not, dense. Get, I did not get that. Just I in terms of shit that I, Aster is putting on the screen is what I mean by dense. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of detail, but I guess from like a story standpoint, that's like not that's not what hereditary. I'm using. Hereditary was a dense. Yeah, that's movie not what I'm using goes. dense to describe. I think Aster makes dense movies. This one is more visually dense than it is story dense. So let me be yeah, specific. Okay. In this regard, I'm talking strictly about things he is putting on the screen for you to see. Okay, I do. Okay, that's a. I understand now. All right, so can I get a thumbs up, thumbs down? This is. Barely a thumbs up. <laughs> as much as I gush about this movie, this is so specific and so polarizing that I am going to give it a thumbs up, but it has that little bit of a, an asterisk with it. Like, I I think I'd recommend this to most people who say they like horror is more of a litmus test than anything. I'm with you. This is one of those, like, push someone off the fence movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is... I, I'm giving it a thumbs up as well. Uh, you can recommend this to anyone who likes film because film buffs will fucking love this shit. Uh, and anyone who likes horror. And uh, this is also one of those ones that I'm going to give a thumbs up to, knowing full well that there's an outside chance that that person no longer considers me a friend. They're going <laughs> to fucking hate it. And that's, <laughs> you know what? That's fine. That's fine. I didn't need him in my life anyway, you know? Yeah. We're better off just going our separate ways. Yeah, I'd, I'd give this a thumbs up, but I'd start with, did you like Hereditary? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, what are you, what are you, what's your stance on three-hour-long cult movies? <laughs> <laughs> I t- I'll tell you this much: I will never watch the director's cut of this movie. I don't think. Did I? I won't either. Like I told you, <laughs> like I watched the scenes. There's a scene in particular that I'll recommend. I'll send you you two a link to it. Um, that I think you should watch. It's really good. I'm actually kind of sad they cut it out. It's like six minutes long. <laughs> I kind of wish they actually like showed you what happened to Simon. That's a fucking weird... He just disappears, and then he has, like, the goriest death of all. Dude, yeah, why the fuck? I mean, he got so upset by the thing. They're like, we're going to blood eagle you, which, I mean, if you know about Nordic history, that's, like, the ultimate slap in the face. Like, that's the worst possible death. That is, like, the worst torture mechanism employed by the Viking culture, is the blood eagle. 
And he was just like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this culture. I would like to leave. Yeah, and they're like, like we're, you know what? We're going to hang you up by your skin, break your fucking ribs, and pull your lungs out while you're still alive and hang you by them. Yeah, and cool. And grow flowers out of your eyes or something. They just, you know. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yes, let's. Before we all get blood-eagled. Yeah, let's get out of here. This has been episode 188 of the A to Z Horrorcast. To check out everything we have going on, head on over to a tozhorror.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And those links are right down there in the description below. As Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, if you like what we have going on you're still here hanging out with us, you might want to be- consider becoming a Patreon member. We have a lot of cool shit going on over there. And for at least the next few months here, we're going to be donating all Patreon proceeds to Feeding America come hang out with us we have extra episodes stickers a bunch of extra stuff it'll be great as always the music is coming at you from super bear there are links down there in the description below as well and coming at you next week change of pace let's have some fun here after honestly quite a heavy movie we're getting into the summer proper and we're gonna watch a mark pick mark we're going with grave encounters are you happy yeah, I'm very happy. I'm so excited to talk he's, about this. He's one. excited. I'm excited too. It's been a long time coming, buddy. Good pick. Next week, Grave Encounters. Until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some horror movies. Have a great weekend. What is it? Oh, it's a it's a bunch of shit we found and ground up and put into your water. <laughs>